I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. To win this beautiful Hummel Everton FC 2023-24 home shirt couldn't be easier. All you have to do is make your way to the Royal Blue Everton FC YouTube channel Subscribe and leave a comment on any video saying you want to enter the competition. That's it. It's that easy. Remember, become a subscriber and leave a comment. Entries close on September 24th at 11pm UK time and a winner will be drawn at random on September 25th. Good luck. Hello everyone, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. And as you can see, we're we're al fresco today. We're taking uh, advantage of the... The Indian summer that we're enjoying currently on, on Merseyside, although it's actually a bit, a bit muggy at the, at the moment, uh, not quite hit the temperatures of recent days, but it's, uh, it's fresh enough for us to be outside. Um, I'm your host today, Chris Beasley, joined um, by Everton correspondent Joe Thomas and our regular guest um, Gavin Buckland. Plenty to talk about as usual, and then uh, hot as the, off the press, as it were, just minutes ago, Damari uh, Gray's transfer from um, Everton to L. Etikaf, I'm not sure if I got the pronunciation correctly on that one, but it's a done deal now, uh, undisclosed fee, um, believed to be in the region of £8 million, um, that's been completed. If I start with you, um, Gav, what are you, your thoughts on all this? Because it, it's come as a surprise, really. Great, we expected to go for most of the summer, then now it's obviously come um, after the English transfer window um, closed last week. Yeah, first of all, Alfresco, that sounds like a Saudi club, doesn't it, really? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's inevitable on the pod on on Monday we were discussing this, and once you have a have a, have a spat yeah. that's been made public between a player and, and a manager, and no dice has had st- stuff since. Um, there's inevitable that it's going to be a parting of the ways. Uh, bear in mind that Gray's in the, also in the last year of his contract. Everton need the cash. Gray's not necessarily in the first choice lineup. You know, the, on the on the bench is probably the mm. best he can hope for. RB does give us an option. Then it was just inevitable that he was yeah. going to go. I think, and so it's not, I think nobody's surprised. I think um, I'm surprised in the contacts that they said on Saturday that he thought he was going to be staying. And I was saying yeah. five days later he's going, but it was inevitable. And, and whatever fee, I think I've said this undisclosed, but. Yeah. I don't know what that means, eight to ten million. I think that's a decent fee for the player that we bought for what one point seven million. Yeah. So that's virtual profit now. So yeah, it it, it, it makes sense for everybody. Yeah. Uh, whether whether he wants to go to Saudi, of course, is a different uh, kettle of fish. But yeah, not not surprised. And then a couple of extra quid for us, but we do lose a little bit on the playing side. Yeah. I mean the way Joe, the way Gav speaks about that. I mean, it would be seen, I guess, as a, a good deal for all parties if it had been done when Everton was still in a position to bring uh, in replacements. That, that's not the case, and like as Gav has mentioned, uh, the way the whole thing has, has panned out, it's, been, it's all been rather unsavoury. Yeah, I think it's, it's a deal that's good for the bank balance, and, and that is important, and it's particularly important given Everton's current financial situation. But it, it's clearly bad for, for the squad and the options that Sean Dyche has available to him, especially, again, with the departures of Alex Awobi and, and Neil Mopai and Tom Cannon on on the final day of the deadline, you know, I think looking at those departures, even when 
you know, coming off the back of Saturday night when, when Sean Dyche had been quite vocal in the idea that Gray was going to be reintegrated back into the squad. He clearly, yeah. judging by his comments to myself and, and to the club media, clearly saw a pathway into, you know, he saw a future at Everton for Gray. You know, yeah. I, I specifically asked him, does he expect Gray to remain? Obviously cited the, you know, the still ongoing Saudi Arabian transfer window at that time and, and that of others such as, as Qatar where, where Alan left um, in, yeah. in September last season. Um, and he said at that minute he, he expected Damari Gray to, to remain an Everton player. So, you know, I think this is probably the one deal that we spent the whole summer expecting to happen, certainly after you know, Damari Gray came back from, from his Gold Cup exploits with, with Jamaica, had a good tournament out there. And, you know, it felt like for a long time this was, as, as speculation as interesting to wane or, or not materialise in the likes of Jordan Pickford and Amadou Anana, probably the two diamonds that haven't had the two players that could attract really significant transfer fees. I think Damari Gray and, and the opportunity to sell him became the most obvious way of getting an injection of funds into the club. And to get an injection of funds into the club for a player that even during some of the more difficult moments at the back end of last season still didn't feature within DeMar um, within Sean Dyche's first choice 11. Um, and so it was very unlikely that he was going to do so again coming into this season. Obviously not involved in, in pre-season at all and not involved in any of the the first four Premier League matches or the Carabao Cup game against Doncaster, Deitch citing fitness concerns. Yeah. I think the way this has ended has been particularly unsavoury. Um, it's been a, another drama that Everton could do without. Um, and it just hasn't really been particularly edifying, I don't think, the way things have, have materialised this week. It feels like a predictable ending that perhaps could have been mitigated and you know, by, by action being taken earlier, but unfortunately it hasn't. And, you know, that has left Everton in a harder position than they probably would have preferred to have been in, you know, yeah. albeit the finances have been strengthened. Yeah. Um, Gav, you, uh, Joe's mentioned there, um, Deitch's post-match comments at Bramall Lane seem to indicate that um, Gray would be would be staying and we, we sort of thought we were going to be brought back into the fold after what has been a, a, a summer where he's, he's not been involved. But something happened there, didn't it? and that's something being that his, his Instagram post on, on on the Sunday with his comments, and then that was fall, followed by uh, the manager's response, a very detailed response within a, a, a in-house um, club interview. Yeah, yeah, it's when it goes public, it's not it's a bit unedifying, isn't it? Really, um, I thought Bice was obliged to come out with it. What he said, um, there was a, some bits of it for me that perhaps didn't make sense in that, you know, Gray said he didn't want to train. Well, it's a, it's a brave person to say to John Dice, you don't want to train. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it also it was reported early on in, in August that, you know, that there was a deal with Fulham that had been done or it looked like it'd be done subject to Everton getting, a, you know, a, you know some players in. Yeah. So it's not as if, like, it was a big surprise to, to Dice that Gray said, I've done a deal with, with whoever you believe to be Fulham. That, you know, that 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 appeared to be in the case, and that was made made public. So that that doesn't make a make sense to me. But you know, Greg shouldn't have come out and said what he did. I think that that's not a great look. Um, and of course, it's nice to make make it even more public comments, which we criticise the club. Don't we? people criticise the club for not saying stuff when they do saying stuff? I think in this case, it's fully, fully justified. And yeah, it's just as Joe said, it's all a little bit unsavoury, you know. Is it just basically one of them things? The problem is communication here. What Gray thought he was doing and what I thought Gray was doing were two completely different things. And uh, ultimately, you know, it, it's led to the departure of a player that 
if he had gone in mid-August, we may have had some, you know, some additional money to spend. But you, given what we, we sort of understand about club finances, it appears every single penny we get isn't going on players. At the moment, it's going on the the running of the club and, and Bramley Moore. So, yeah, it was. It, it, I thought the Gray statement wasn't great. Bice's response was was expected and fully justified. But in some respects, I left more questions than answers really over over the sort of timeline of events and why certain things happen. So, it, it's still it, it, it's still sad when a player leaves on this uh, this note. I think it's it's how you leave an organisation that's important, isn't it? And, and uh, I think I don't like to see players leaving under the cloud, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, Chris. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, Joe, it's, it's telling, as it's been mentioned already, that the fact that when his announcements of the deal was made by, by Everton at, the ten, at 10.30, there was no wishing Damari well in, in the way that those free exits on transfer deadline day, Tom Cannon, Alex Awobi, and even Jean-Philippe Gabamin, who had his contract ripped up, all were offered that courtesy. None of that for Gray. Your, your thoughts on, obviously, the, 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 the initial Instagram um, post from, from him um, explaining his situation and then the, the subsequent response from the manager? Yeah, I didn't like the Damari Gray post. Um, you know, Sean Dyche in, in his video after, in his in his, in his rebuttal to, to to Gray, was saying how you know it's not his way. He doesn't like it this dirty laundry to be aired out in public. I think most of us would agree that, that that's a preferable position. And you know, whether or not Gray was responding to my story from the evening before, obviously I you know, put out that you know Dyche had effectively opened the door for him to come back, and that's what yeah. sparked. Great response that he's not coming back or doesn't think he can can yeah. come back. I'm not sure, but you know, I, I don't. I didn't like Damari Gray's you know uh, decision to, to do that in the first place. Um, kind of similar to what Gav says. I think the club had every right to, to again to come back and kind of respond to that. Yeah. Um, I can understand why they would have tried to have seized the initiative. I think they're well, definitely justified to have done that. I think they're well within their rights. Um, but I'm still not convinced that it's a situation that has been been handled particularly well by all parties. Like I don't, without knowing the ins and outs of what's sort of gone on behind the scenes, I'm, I'm I'm not willing to accept this as anything really more than six or one half a dozen of, of the other. Because what I, I struggle to see is that um, I struggle to see how this this wasn't a predictable ending to this this whole show. This isn't a clearly I, I suspected this when when we spoke on Monday, but. Clearly, when when Dyke started going on about you know claiming that that Damari Gray had refused to train and things like this, this isn't a situation that has, has this isn't a relationship that has dramatically deteriorated after the final whistle at Bramall Lane. Clearly, this has been a scenario that has been ongoing for you know if not days before that game and days where the transfer window was still open, mm. then then possibly weeks. You know we know that obviously Damari Gray hasn't been involved. Deitch has never said that Gray was injured, but he has always cited fitness concerns whenever I've asked him, mm-hmm. why is he not? Obviously when I asked him why he wasn't involved in Sheffield United, Deitch then opened up and said, well it is fitness, but it's also the noise surrounding his, his future. And it's just, if there was this battle ongoing behind the scenes between the personalities, and there was a suggestion that Damari Gray was unhappy, um, 
And if things were as bad as Deitch portrayed them to have been in his interview, then I struggled to see. I don't understand, and you know, the, the club might have had assurances from the player in his camp, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know. But I'm struggling to see how they thought that there'd be a happy ending to this, an, an amicable ending where Gray would end up being reintegrated into first team and give it all. It looks like this mess was, was predictable. And if it was predictable, then it was preventable. And you have a scenario where, bearing in mind there were so many interested, or there were interested parties in, in Damari Gray, well, it's difficult to see how this wasn't resolved when the transfer window was still open and when Everton could potentially do something with, with the funds um, that were available. And this could be a, a much happier situation for everyone. I, like, I think that there was a solution, judging by what everybody's saying and what we've seen with our own eyes, I think there was a solution where everybody could have ended up happy here. Yeah. In the end, I think everyone's ended up unhappy. I think we've ended up with the only possible realistic conclusion um, but it's one that leaves Everton weaker going in, into this new season. And I think that I think there are probably two things to, to watch out for that, that might kind of give us a, a, a bit more insight into what, what's going on behind the scenes. And one is, you know, we've spoken about this and I've written about this, that there's been this whole thing about whether Jack Harrison, upon his arrival, was given Damari Gray's shirt number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Harrison was number 11 at Leeds. Now, to be perfectly clear, there's there's nothing from the club that suggested that he's still number zero on, on the Premier League website on the Premier League and the club's um, yeah. website. So that's Jack Harrison is still zero there. Yes. Demario Gray was still number number eleven there. But it was quite interesting to see that Jack Harrison in all the promotional material following his signature, there's there's nothing there that's revealed the shirt number. There's yeah. nothing there that you know, as opposed to people like Dan Juma, it was clear what number he was going to wear. Yeah. Beto, it's announced he's going to be number 14. There was nothing there for Jack Harrison. And again, you know, like I spoke about on Monday, when it got to the uh, the, Everton, the Everton squad list in the Sheffield United programme on Saturday, you know, lo and behold, Jack Harrison says number 11, Damari Gray isn't to be seen. So if if Jack Harrison is to now get the number 11 shirt, that might point to maybe maybe that was part of the plan. Obviously, it might be purely innocent. Yeah. That, you know, that, that might have not been the case at all. And obviously, the fact that it's now free means that, you know, why not give it to Jack Harrison? But I think that'll be interesting. And I think the second one is, uh, you know, Jamaica have two international games over this break. What was It felt clearly that Damari Gray's Instagram post, the parting shot of his goodbye is, I am batch fit. I wanted to play. Now, that's clearly a reference, or it very strongly feels to me like a reference to Sean Dyche's comments that, that he's not fit to play. Or if he goes and plays, you know, 75 minutes twice for Jamaica now, then that is going to be interesting because I think it's, it's, very, clear, I think it's very clear to us that Sean Dyche has, a, has his own personal view of what match fitness is and a threshold for which players can um, be available. And I think it appears to be that's higher than a lot of other people's. I actually think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the the most obvious example, the most you know, is is the handling of Dominic Calvert Lewin. I think I think Sean Dyche has handled Dominic Calvert Lewin's efforts to be you know a fit part of that Everton squad very very well. But obviously, it is going to be it's going to suggest that there's clearly a long way between where Damari Gray views his fitness as and where Sean Dyche has been publicly willing to say his fitness is, and if. Damari Gray goes and plays 135 minutes over the course of the next two games yeah. for, for Jamaica, then that suggests that the situation is perhaps a little bit muddier than it would have been. And, yeah, that is problematic because I do think that, you know, when, when you look at the last few weeks, you open into Everton's season, well, you know, Everton haven't been naming a full set of players on, on that bench, if certainly of senior players. And probably was a job that Damari Gray could do, even if his exit was expected. 
you know, is he the best finisher? Is he is he a part of an Everton starting eleven that you would be confident that would stay in this Premier League? P- perhaps not. Would he have finished the chances, or at least one of the chances that the Corey and, and, and Neil Mope had against against Wolves on the opening day? So you've fallen on the opening day of the season, maybe against Wolves, you know, perhaps. And you know, it may well be that Everton aren't sitting with two home defeats if Damaru Gray was in a position where he could could play then. And you know, you know, it's it's tricky. We don't know everything, of course. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be, um, but I do think that. At best, it feels like there's been a miscalculation on Everton's part that they believe that, you know, judging by what Deitch's comments were on Saturday, that there was a belief that they could bring him back into the squad and that he could play a role in this season following the departures of Cannon, Mope and, and, and Alex Awobi. And, and clearly that's that's not been the case. Yeah. Do you think, Gavin, it's, it's just been a, a, a set of circumstances where the music stopped and then all of a sudden we've expected Damari Gray to have been out the door Alex Awobi's gone instead because the difference being that Alex Awobi was someone who basically played all the time under Sean Dyche, whereas um, Damari Gray had been someone who regular under Frank Lampard and the other man, and obviously was brought in by Rafael Benitez, but then wasn't played in it in the usual wide positions, was played up up front by Dyche. So, like I said, uh, Joe's alluded to the, perhaps a scenario where we thought he was going to go, but then the, the, the transfer window was closed. He's still there, and maybe he feels that the only way to get this deal over the line now is to go and uh, force the issue uh, online and make, his, uh, make these comments public. Yeah, possibly. Um, like, yeah, po- yeah, I think... You would it's a strange one, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. And I was thinking that myself, but yeah. it, it goes back to what Joe was saying. It could have all been done early, couldn't it? Yeah. And he said, like, I could have had like a positive result for everybody, which I would have imagined would have been moving to say Fulham mm. before the start of the season because the talk of the Fulham was, was, was early August, wasn't it? You know, where we could have yeah. got a bit of money maybe to plan, you know, maybe to buy somebody else. Um, and, and as you say, Chris, it. You, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Perhaps he's, yeah. The timing of it is is probably the key thing. It's after it was transfer window. I'd finished on Sunday, hadn't it? Yeah, it was Friday, yeah. wasn't it? So, so obviously he's wanted to move by the end of the, the transfer window. It's not happened uh, for, for the reasons what, what Dice had said. And so therefore I'm going to um, constructively dismiss myself from the club. Yeah. For once of a better phrase, by yeah. by by by. by Publicly criticising the club, or inferring criticism of the club and the manager, and therefore what will happen then is um, there will be a bit of a fallout, and then I will go. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a scenario, but it could have all been handled in a far better way before then, I believe, as as Joe's alluded to. And I, and then ultimately from this is Gray got the move he really wants. Yeah. You know that that's the thing. You know, is this is this his ideal ideal venue? I'm not sure. I don't think we've heard the last from Gray from this. By the way, I think once he gets his foot under the table in Saudi, I it won't surprise me if there's a further further statement about what what has gone on, um, which which may may be for interesting reading. But you, you, you're right. I think it's the timing of it and the nature of it indicates that actually I still want to force your way out here. Yeah, and um, and that's sadly what's happened, I suppose, for, for, for everybody's concern. Yeah, because Joe, when when we um, we look at the way that is the whole thing has has panned out, um, 
with Gray, um, as is, uh, is, is it the fact that he couldn't get a, a move to another Premier League club? We, we, Fulham, as Gav says, has been mooted there, but this is a player, Everton got him from Bayer Leverkusen, relatively modest fee, 1.7 million. He was only there for a short spell, obviously, after his time at Leicester City. And for all that, you know, he's, he's, he's twinkling toes and he's, those, those moments, spectacular moments, we were at the Etihad last season and that that equalised against Manchester City. But then he hasn't scored from open play since then. And then before that, I think you have to go eight months from his, his wonder goal, his winner against Arsenal, spectacular winner. It proves to be, I think, the last win under Benitez before his, his next goal against Nottingham Forest. Unfortunately, those those magic moments were too few and far between. So perhaps that's been the problem and, and the reason he's, he's ended up as a player who should be at the peak of his powers now at 27 is going into the, uh, the, the Saudi league, is that maybe somebody from the Premier League just wasn't offering that deal that could have got him out of Goodison Park? Yeah, well, I think you know, I think he's probably ended up in Saudi Arabia now because it's the only place that he can go. Yeah. You know, there aren't options to go to another Premier League or, or British or European side after the transfer deadline closed on on Friday. I think he, he gave an interview after the you know, during the summer where... He kind of suggested that he still believed that he still had the ambition of playing Champions League football. And I think that, obviously, you know, when players set their ambitions out, they're, they're going to reach the size you want that. Um, but it was very much a kind of the type of interview which, to me, suggests that he didn't see his immediate future if he saw it away from Everton. He didn't see it in a non-mainstream league. And I think it's yeah. still fair to describe Saudi Arabia. Well, you can't play the Champions League currently with a Saudi Arabian side. There are reports they're trying to somehow force a way in, into the for European. As well. <laughs> um, so, um, so, so yeah, look, I, I think we can all understand why Everton would sell Damari Gray during the summer transfer window. Uh, I think we can all understand why Gray might not be part of Sean Dyche's first team plans as well. You know, I, I, I've got no dispute with, with the club or with, with, with Sean Dyche on, on either of those things. Um, you know, his sale did feel like an opportunity to get much needed money for, without losing a valuable asset. Um, yeah, which which they've done a couple of times this, this this summer, but it wasn't the case with someone like say Alex Awobi, who still had a role to play. I think in in the first team. You know, when you look back on Gray's Everton career, when we look at the finance of it, it's clearly a good piece of business for Everton. They've made a significant profit on him, and I think you I think he's a you know a good a player who has certainly been worth the 1.7 million pound or so that they they commit to him in the first place. As he set the world alight, no. Um, He's been one of very few players over the past two years who's been capable of producing a moment of magic. You know, obviously, moments of magic help mm. every now and then, but yeah. they aren't. You, know, you can't build a season around someone doing something special once every eight or nine games. Yeah. I do think this kind of comes back to my point at the beginning of the season when Everton's had a, a number of injuries and players yet to arrive in, in the transfer window. I do show, think that for a, a big chunk towards the end of last season, he was when Dominic Calvert-Lewin was absent. He was the best that Everton could do. He was he was the best of a bad set of options. Uh, and it was notable that Sean Dyche went to him last. He, he you know when he came in, he went to Dominic Calvert-Lewin first. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got injured in his game against Arsenal. Then he went to Ellis Sims uh, against Liverpool. Then he went to Neil Mope, and then he went to Damari Gray up top. And it was notable. I think the Forest game was the first time that Gray played in that role. And clearly, it's not. You know his best role, but it was notable how much better Everton were then. Um, and albeit, you know, square peg in a round hole, you know, this is probably some of the things that we'll never notice. And you know, 
probably is fair to take Deitch at face value on the fitness things with Damari Gray because why would Deitch want to spite cut his own nose off to spite his, his own face but you know it, it does seem a little bit unfortunate that even whilst there might have been you know a few problems at the beginning of, of, of the season in the, in the relationship and even if there might be a few doubts over Gray's fitness it's very difficult to see how we couldn't have played a role in those first if you include the Carabao Cup game um, obviously Sheffield United was after the transfer window those first two or three league games in the Carabao Cup game it's difficult to see how when Evan had so few options going forward there wasn't a role that he could play even if off the bench yeah. um, but I don't think this is a, a departure that will sadden Everton fans yeah. I don't think that there'll be you know people that are hailing Damari Gray a hero you know he's, he's had an impact in two years he's proved good value he goes for a good fee um, and just to stress again, you know, his actions in, in all of this that we've seen, the action, his public actions that we've seen since the transfer deadline day close aren't particularly good. You know, yeah. they, they, they shouldn't be hailed either. Um, so that's it, really. It's a yeah. good piece of business. I don't think the, the first team 11 loses too much from the mm. departure of Gray. The squad, it's the squad depth yeah. that's an issue. I do think that's a serious issue that this Everton side have, yeah. have, have, have got to deal with, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. And, and also, that I think that they say this is probably a situation that could have been resolved much more amicably for all parties yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and it's difficult to see why that wasn't the case. Yeah, just finally on this issue, Gareth, as, as Joe alludes to there, it's about where this leaves the squad. Have Everton been left short now? I know we've got Jack Harrison to come back in there, though, but with this deal coming after the English deadline at shot and they can't bring in a replacement, how concerned are you by Everton's options between now and January, having to get through with one fewer body now? Or are we one fewer body compared to a week ago? But if you see since the end of last season, say, in wide areas, we've had, you know, Dan Juma plays wide, Jack Harrison plays wide, James Garner's shown that he can play wide, that bit, that's not ideal. Yeah. So, we have got more options than what we had last and season. Dwight McNeil is Dwight coming McNeil, back to fitness. Yeah, yeah. So, we, we have got more options, I think, than than we had last year. Um, I'll be, we've also lost the Roby. So, I think as an, another, as a bum on a seat, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, on the substitutes bench. But in terms of first choice and, and wide options that we've got I think Gray is Gray is expendable yeah. to be honest with you because of our, our transfer business and I'm sure that's also informed the the club's thinking yeah. if we do not both Harrison and Dan Juma I think yeah. he would be saying you're not going anywhere mate yeah. you know so yeah. I think I think he uh, I think he's probably surplus in those areas but just, just and, and he has shown a bit of flexibility he has played up front yeah. hasn't he Um but I think um, I think that's probably informed our decision. The fact that he is, he is expendable, as I say, because we've brought other options in since since the end of last season. We may once said the funny. You know, talking about Gray is that as a player, we may we may we saw said was mentioned about uh, Shane Warne, what he said about Monty Panasar once that Monty Panasar's not played 150 games for England. He's played the same game 150 times. Okay. And on you know I think Gray's like that at Everton, isn't he? He's, I don't know how many appearances he's made, 70, 60, but he's basically played the same game in, in all 70 appearances, hasn't he? Yeah. I can guarantee what it would have been, would have been, you know, a couple of dribbles, a couple of iffy set pieces, a few <laughs> times where at Eastern Fury, me was where he'd be offside, but he's looking down the line, you know, from a, from a long ball or something. Yeah. And he was never inconsistent at all, because that implies that there was massive peaks and flows. <laughs> it was just always, to me, it was always about the same. 
But where he was inconsistent was very occasionally those those moments he spoke spoken about against Arsenal, against Man United. But other than that, I found him a very very sort of flat line performance really. Not not great, not not terrible, but just not really doing a lot. And so from that perspective, I, I don't think we miss him too much on the playing side, especially if we brought other options in. I think like Dan Jim looks a far more dynamic player. Yeah. Uh, to me. And uh, we've obviously got to see what Harrison does. Me, I've got McNeil, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sort of lose sleep over the playing side with them. But it is, a, it is the one less on the subs bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another empty spare. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm, I'm all right with them going. Yeah. And briefly to finish, I mean, the, obviously the players are away this week. It's the international break, but I mean that that has brought it, it's its own uh, news. Um, Joe and Jared Bramfrey um, was drawn from the England under 21s, and you thought that was particularly curious. Um, the, the wording of that with, with his injury. Yeah. I did just to finish on on Gray before that, I think. Yeah. And the club do deserve a, a degree of credit for just getting it done. Once once yeah. Instagram post went out, you know, clearly they you know, they, they could have carried on the fights. They didn't. They found a solution that worked yeah. for them, and, and I think that's probably you know, deserves some credit for having the maturity to do that, rather than just you know continue the battle and have a player there that perhaps wasn't going to contribute but was still taking a wage. Um, yeah, Jared Brownfweight's an interesting one, just because I don't think it was Dyche's intention for Jared Brownfweight to be starting Premier League games this early into the season. Clearly, he, he began the season with the partnership of Tarkovsky and, and Keane, and I think he probably would have preferred to have carried on doing that. But you know, Keane became the you know, Keane, but Keane, but Keane became the the solution to trying to deal or show an intent to deal with the problems that were emerged after that Aston Villa game when you know Everton just as a whole were absolutely uh, atrocious. Um, but the interesting thing with with, with Brantway is you know. The club said this in, in the statement is that he's dealing, you know, he's been dealing with a groin issue. Um, he's, he's withdrawn from England, another sorry, he wants to deal with a groin issue, which he's now going to have treatment at Finch Farm during this fortnight over. And, um, you know, they said in that that he picked this up on international duty in the summer, so that means that well, there's only one way of reading that, and that's yeah. that Brampoy's been playing with a groin injury for, for five weeks or so. And um, again, I find that intriguing because, you know, we talk about this this kind of concept of Sean Dyche having a high degree of, of, of fitness a high fitness threshold well clearly he was willing to relax that when it came to, to Jared Branthwaite's situation because you know obviously it's a player that has been playing with an injury so you know I, I don't know if maybe personality comes into into some of this as well or maybe it was you know so minor that he was comfortable with him when playing with it but you know I just thought that was an interesting an interesting fact the fact that obviously Branthwaite has been playing for, with fitness concerns for a long time and then you, you juxtapose that with Damari Gray who you know has apparently had fitness concerns for all this period it's probably a player that for all that we've, we've said about the fact that we don't see him as a long term solution to Everton's issues probably could have helped the early games of the tra- helped the squad during the early games of the window and you know it just shows that on the one hand you, you, you could perhaps say a flexibility from Sean Dyche to kind of judge each situation it is in which case you know fair enough um, on the other hand, you know, it it is interesting that, you know, sometimes that, that, that high threshold of, of fitness isn't the be-all and end-all because, you know, obviously Brampway's been playing with it. So clubs say that he's expected to be back after the international break. Well, hopefully that means Arsenal. I mean, after the international break, could, could be, be yeah. you know, it, it could be any time <laughs> after. But, but I think if, yeah. you know, 
it felt like the inference there was this is yeah. going to be a very short-term thing. Um, let's hope it's the case because you know centre back, just just like on the wing, just like everywhere else, is an area that Evan don't really have much cover, and that's a that's I think is the big problem because you know I think when you look at Evan's first eleven, uh, maybe when you look at their first 12, 13, maybe fourteen players, I think we can all see how a situation where when they're fit, you know Deitch has something to work with here, uh, particularly when you're given. When you look at the weakness at the bottom end of the league, probably for, you know, for Luton, probably for Sheffield, certainly in comparison to, to last season when you know it felt like Leicester, you know, it felt like the, the teams that went down were all relatively strong. The league is definitely weaker this season. Yeah. Hopefully, it's a, a situation that Everton can get away with. But um, I do think that whilst this squad and under Dyche has the capability of, of surviving this season. Um, I do think they're going to need, need more luck with injuries than they've had over the past few seasons to, to get there. And in fairness, they are due a bit of luck on that front. They have had bad luck. You know, yeah. Some of those injuries have been to players who's, who have suffered persistent injury issues and you could therefore say it's, it's predictable that that situation is, is Tandon and Evan should have prepared for that. But, um, but they have had bad luck and they are due some good luck on that front. So hopefully it comes through this season as they need it. Yeah, I think that'll uh, do us there. I can smell something smells good. It must be getting on to, for dinner time now, and uh, uh, we, we'll have more um, for you next next week as we, we continue to build up for Everton's uh, Premier League return against Arsenal. I've been your host, Chris Beasley, uh, not James Richardson. I've been joined <laughs> by uh, Gavin Buckland and Joe Thomas. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 